Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. This is Danny and Dusty. What the God's name is going on in here? What was that ruckus? With Danny Meringue and Dusty, the fan man Hera. What ruckus? I was just in my office and I heard a ruckus. Danny and Dusty on the Odyssey app. Describe the ruckus, sir. And 1080. Don't mess with the bull, young man. You'll get the horns. The fan. Hour number three. Don't mess with the bull, you'll get the horns, son. Uh, UCLA messed with the bull. They got the horns 45-30 in Autzen Stadium on Saturday. And it was a heck of a game. And, Danny, I've got to tell you, like, the atmosphere in Autzen Stadium, it has been a long time since you could feel the buzz around a game at Autzen like there was on, on Saturday. I mean, it was electric from beginning to end and it started way early in the morning at college game day it was crazy down there yeah uh fourth largest crowd in Austin history yeah they, I saw it charted. Like 59,000 like 962 or something like just that, yeah. short of the old 60k with some SRO yeah. uh it was uh it was funny uh Brock Heward had to uh had to had to you know drop away from his husky love and even up in the booth he he said exactly what you talked about on Friday when it gets so loud in there he goes listen down on that field you can feel it your teeth are chattering yeah. he goes I can feel it in the booth right now like it's it's rattling around us and it was it wasn't even a like a rip roar and raucous part of the game yet like it wasn't like you know the onside kick had recovered you mm-hmm. could feel momentum going nuts. This was just opening. If you got down there early uh, and saw the the festivities of college game day, was it just on 11 the entire time? It was crazy. I walked uh, over from MacArthur Court is kind of where I parked towards the college game day. It's probably like, I don't know, like a quarter of a mile, maybe half mile to where the game day was set up in, in the quad. And when I got out of my car to walk that way, you could hear the roars from college game day. Like, I mean, and I was like, geez, I must be close. And you just kept walking and kept walking and walking. And we got there. It was incredible to see how many people were there uh, and how drunk they were at 6 a.m. Impressive performance. Impressive. They stayed up late. How many togas did you spot? What? How many togas did you spot? I, I didn't see a ton of togas. Here's the thing. They did a really good job of like, it was like almost as if people were coming in waves to where it was always full, but it seemed like there was like a revolving cast of people. And then most of the togas were up front, and those were the people that were staying for the whole time. You know, I just was kind of like walking around the periphery and then grabbed a couple pictures for our socials and stuff like that. But um, I was there when, you know, Lanning did his. His his bit where he went up there with uh, David Pollock and was on set there, and you could t- tell like as I saw him walk away um, down below, like uh, he was 
I was up on a like a riser kind of above when he was walking away. You could tell he was just kind of looking around and taking it all in. Like, geez, the, the, these people showed out. It was pitch black. It was cold. It was raining, and it didn't stop anybody. And I, when I was leaving, I was sitting there going, man, this is going to be, if they can keep this up, this is going to be an incredible atmosphere for the game. And sure enough, you know, we were standing there on the on the field watching the teams warm up, and the student section was full 45 minutes before kickoff. 45 minutes before kickoff, stadium was full. Oof. And it or the student section, rather, was, was filling up all the way up, and then it was full about a half hour before kickoff even started. Like, it was – they were ready, and they were lit, and the whole stadium erupted several times and it was it was huge man when the uh, when the opponent is having problems communicating on the field and when they're on the bench talking to each other mm-hmm. that's a great home home field advantage i haven't seen something like that and i haven't heard that stadium that loud in in quite some time it was impressive to see yeah i mean Autzen has its its name in college mm-hmm. football because of this and it, it yeah. lived up to the billing and that's where if i was going to pick a deciding factor if, if all things being equal between Oregon, UCLA, all that kind of stuff, the comforts of home and playing in an environment at Onsen where the fans show out, that's why I, I leaned that way. And it, it's there's a reason why Oregon has been so successful at home in its history. And that's it. I mean, it plays a massive role. And they I think this is the – they have the third longest winning streak in, in all of college football at home. Uh, and I think it's behind Clemson, and I can't remember the other uh, team off the top of my head. But this is, whether it's in-conference, non-conference, Oregon has dominated at home. It's a Cincinnati, Clemson and Cincinnati. They've won 23 straight home games, and when the stakes are the highest and that place is on tilt, man, it's really a, a huge advantage. And I think that that gets lost on so many people because we – always take pictures of, you know, it was Stanford this week when they played Arizona State in front of an empty stadium. Like, we saw that coming. It's usually UCLA games in the Rose Bowl where there's 100,000-plus seats, and they may have 50,000 people at the game. You know, think about that. Like, Oregon was just under 60,000 people at Autzen Stadium. 50,000 people going to the Rose Bowl, it looks empty. 59,962 at Autzen Stadium it's an absolute madhouse. Like it, it, we think of these environments and the, the stadium being small and intimate, there may not be a hundred thousand people there, but if it's packed and it's on top of you, like that stadium is built, man, it can be a difference maker. And you know, Martin stadium is the same way. And I hope that research feels like that when, when the bees finally finish that other side and you kind of will have the two overhangs that, that'll mm-hmm. trap some of that noise in because when you have a raucous home field, there's nothing like it. It is the biggest advantage you can have. No, it really is. And listen, like I, 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 I grew up, you know, down the street from, from Memorial Coliseum and that even when that place is packed and you've got a hundred thousand people in there, it doesn't get that loud. Mm-hmm. It's not designed that way. It's, it was designed in 1922 for open sight lines for the Olympics. Like it's not designed to, to have sound roar down on you. And Austin is designed to be intimidating and it, it lives up to it every single time I was there. Uh, last time I was down there was uh, 
Herbert's was Herbert's last year they had uh, was it junior or senior year when they took on Colorado and uh, even then in the game it didn't matter I was uh, five rows up I mean I was I was right off the field mm-hmm. and it was loud and you make I left the stadium at the end of the night and my head was just ringing I'm like mm-hmm. man this place is just it is nonstop and I can't imagine trying to be on the field as a quarterback. Or, hell, prepping all week. And I'm sure Chip did a hell of a job knowing full well what that place is like, simulating sound and trying to get them ready. But nothing can get you ready for it unless you've been in it. No. And you saw that Oregon was – they looked so comfortable in that game from the get-go, offensively especially. And I give UCLA a ton of credit for executing the way that they did when it it got loud. You know, when – you know, it's third down, and they're playing uh, deep in the night, and the crowd gets up and they get roaring. It takes a lot of composure, and UCLA, man, they cut right through it. They cut right through it, and they they played really dang well. We saw 12 possessions. That is still incredible to me. 12 straight possessions with scores in that game between Oregon and UCLA. I mean, it was nuts to see how quickly and look it ended that streak ended with an interception in the end zone you know that that that's how that the scoring drought ended on what was it the 13 yard line when Brian Addison who he played an incredible game for Oregon coming back at safety and having that length and we talked about this in the in the pregame show having his length on the field when you have a guy like Jake Bobo and you have the weapons that they like to use in the red zone Having him at six foot five at safety, that interception in the end zone, that was huge for Oregon because it, I know it was at that point forty five twenty three or or whatever, but it it was we're not letting this thing get back any closer. This is it. It's ending right here, and that was a turnover where they had what two others that that were dropped. Uh, interceptions that were mm-hmm. dropped and close calls. Christian Gonzalez, that was a great play by the wide receiver to poke that one away from Christian Gonzalez. And then um, in the end zone, they had another one. Uh, I think it may have been Addison almost had another one in the end zone early in the game, but you finally made him pay for that. And this is, if Oregon can start generating turnovers, that's huge for that defense. Yeah, and that's the thing. That's Because I think at this point in time, you, you're – you're, if you're Dan Lanning, you're not going to say it out loud. But you're not, you're not relying or trusting your defense to generate pressure. But just not, that's not what they do. They, they, don't, they don't get home. They don't get a ton of pressures. They're, they're not going to spend a ton of time in the backfield. They'll make a play here or there. Don't get me wrong, Dorless Johnson. They'll, they'll, they'll have a couple opportunities. But you're hoping that maybe you can disguise enough and create enough in, in the back end to, to really show out. And we've spent all this time talking about Oregon. And I, and I really want to call out one other thing because the offense was spectacular. And I kind of – I didn't downplay the defense, but they have their issues. And the one place they don't, Dusty, hmm. is at that number one corner position. <laughs> My God, Christian Gonzalez was step-for-step step locking guys down. Every time he got tested, it was a deflection or an overthrow because they just couldn't get there. He was tremendous. And, again – Clark Phillips, Keely Ringo, that's your one-two in the country. But Christian Gonzalez is a solid NFL guy. There's, the more I watch him, the more I go, if that is your second corner in the NFL, like you were in a very good spot. He just, 
he looks so effortless and confident in his coverage with with or without safety help over the top that it's just it's it's a tremendous tremendous asset and if they do find a way to get some some tip drill deflection interceptions kind of be a team that turns turns the other team over a little bit more frequently they could become a very very significant player uh, if they got to the college football playoff 503-250-1080 that is the fan text line all right uh taking a break from from everything that happened with the Ducks. We've only talked a little bit of NFL, and we haven't gotten to the beatdown that we saw laid down in SoFi. Seahawks, what? Leaving no doubt, Danny and Dusty on the fan. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast baseball is back and so is mlb.tv watch every out-of-market regular season game on your favorite streaming devices anywhere anytime all season long follow the action live or on demand Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Danny and Dusty on the fan. All right, on this Metal Monday, it doesn't get much more metal than what the Seahawks did to the Chargers yesterday. Boy, they put their brains in a vice. 17-0. They jumped out on top of L.A., and they made it look easy. The Chargers look lost, man. I mean, where, where, do, you, where do you start? That's the thing. Is like, Where do you start with the Chargers right now? Because they don't make any sense. They have no. Every, every, I mean, obviously Herbert being injured is a, is a problem. Like, don't get me okay, wrong, but, but their defense, we talked about coming into this season. This was supposed to be the defense. Okay. Then you look at that, and Bosa being hurt, that is a big injury, but Bosa also always hurt. Um, and they got that reassurance in bringing in Khalil Mack, who, outside of like when he gets upset and is like swinging on dudes <laughs> during the game, 
he can be lost for, for large stretches of the game. They had J.C. Jackson, which they brought in on an $82.5 million contract from New England. Last week, they end up having to bench him. They are lost on that defensive side of the ball, and uh, spotting the Seahawks 17 points is, is one thing, but you mentioned the Herbert injury. He's looking more comfortable. Is Keenan Allen just that important to what they do offensively? To, to where they look ineffective early in games until they figure out um, where else they can go. Right. And who's hot that day. I want to say yes. The other part of this is they, they have zero running game. Eckler has been tremendous out of the backfield, but they just can't run the ball. Well, they just rely on Eckler way too much because he's got to be the guy for them, either as the receiver or the running back. Yep. I mean, it's it's tough sledding right now. And then it's not going to get any better because – they lose Mike Williams to an ankle injury yesterday. The injury bug biting this game big time. Yes. And again at SoFi Stadium. Makes I, you wonder. I roll my eyes a lot when they're like, I ah, can't play on turf, can't play on turf. I don't know. There's certain places where guys are getting injured a whole lot more than others. And it's lower and body SoFi is one of them. That's the thing is it's you're seeing knee and ankle, knee and ankle, knee and ankle. That's what you're seeing pop up there, which does make me wonder. Um before we continue bashing the Chargers, I want to change gears ever so slightly and give credit to the Seahawks. Geno Smith to. continuing to play well, but my God, it, did, did, did they hit a home run with Kenneth Walker? They've hit a home run on everybody. We were talking about this last week. I mean, where, goodness. Whether it is Tariq Woolen, whether it is Kenneth Walker, they are knocking it out of the park. Kobe Bryant had a good day yesterday. They are finding ways. Uh, you mentioned Boye Mafe mm-hmm. um, as well, who's who's picking up big snaps for them. They're dra- they drafted extremely well, and him going off yesterday, twenty three carries, one hundred sixty eight yards, and a couple tutties. They have continued well in both their tackles. They've continued to impress, and just as much as Kenneth Walker gets the credit for that one sixty eight, those Maulers up front. And finding two gems in the draft in, in uh, Cross and Lucas, they have something special that's going on in Seattle right now. That draft, they they almost got an A on every single one of those guys in the draft. It was impressive to see them go to L.A., take that show on the road, Geno Smith playing within himself. And my, my goodness, does uh, Ben McAdoo deserve an apology from people? Because <laughs> he's the guy that benched Eli Manning in his start streak to put Geno in, and everybody's like, what, why would you ever play Geno Smith? Geno Smith sucks. Geno Smith does not suck. Maybe Ben McAdoo was onto something. The fact that we're on the Ben McAdoo redemption tour <laughs> kind of lets you know where we're at this season uh, as it pertains to the uh, the Seattle Seahawks. A quick little note on both their tackles. Um uh, they ranked 13th and 22nd overall in pass block win rate. Two rookies are in the top 25 of the 64 graded tackles in the NFL. Yikes. Huh. Interesting. At a position yes. that, you know, not only a premium, not exactly the easiest to play, particularly as you're looking at the left tackle side where he is rated 13th in the league. Yeah, it is. Not too shabby. This offense is is finding itself and in, in creating its own identity. I just hope that the injury to DK Metcalf isn't too significant. I know Pete Carroll said today that is a patella injury. He won't need surgery 
which is good. They just don't know how long he's going to be out for. On the cart, I found it really interesting. He he looked at somebody and said, no, I'm good, um, as he was being carted off. And then they immediately ruled him out of the game. <laughs> he's like, uh-oh. Yeah, I mean, there's a difference between being good and, like, not – that's the, hey, nothing popped signal. Yeah. Um, but that doesn't mean that he, he won't be out for a substantial amount of time. Yeah, and I hope he isn't because this Seattle team is, is finally – finding a rhythm on offense, and their defense is coming along too. I mean, I know you give up 23, but the way that they started that game, when your offense jumps on a team and you, you have a 17 nothing lead, look, this much maligned defense has a lot of young players on it, and they're starting to find their way. And don't look now, but guess who's leading the NFC West? Which? That division... Uh-huh. There are uh-huh. th- there are things going on in that division. <laughs> Chiefs uh, plus two and a half over the 49ers, huh? The entire <laughs> NFC is just a bloodbath right Ooh, now. Yay. Nobody knows what is up and what is down. You've got in the NFC West, the Seahawks are leading at four and three. Rams on a bye are three and three with the Niners and Cardinals both at three and four. There's no team in the NFC South with a winning record. The Vikings lead the NFC North as the only team with a winning record there. The NFC East has three of the five teams in the NFL with a winning record. There's only five teams in the entire NFC with a winning record. Three of them reside in the NFC East. And the other thing is the Eagles are undefeated, and they have to keep the pedal on the gas because they've got the Giants and Cowboys breathing down their necks. Absolutely. And the Giants did it again. The Giants did it again on the one-yard line. What a play that was on the one-yard line. My goodness. I mean, they are escaping, and they are playing with fire, but there's a way to do They just find a way every single week. And this week it was 23-17. Saquon Barkley has a chance basically to ice the game, and he accidentally stepped out of bounds instead of – falling down inbounds where I was just going fall down, fall down, fall down, fall down. And he didn't. He pushed it all the way to the sideline before he fell down. Dumb move by Saquon. Gives the Jaguars enough time to get one last shot. And that stick, I don't even know, what was his number, like 27 or 37? I don't even know who it was. But he came up and he hit the receiver, Christian Kirk, like at the one yard, like the half yard line, and just stood him up and waited for everybody else to come. And they, they pulled him down. Before the O line could push him into the end zone, what I mean that was an incredible effort and an incredible win yet again for the Giants, who are um, I think they're the first team ever to to be six and one and have all seven games decided by one score. Yeah, it turns out when you've got two hundred yard rushers and one of them's your quarterback, you just find w- weird ways to win continuously. I I don't know if no. I, let, me, let me phrase this. I know Daniel Jones isn't the guy. <laughs> Because you cannot continually be in one-score games like this. There's when you have opportunities to open things up and really get things done, it can't it can't come down to this every time. This this again, we, we've talked about this a ton. This happened to the Raiders last year. They they led the league last year in one-score games and one-score wins. That's why they they ended up getting hot down the stretch. The Giants, I think, are doing this right now, where you have to give Dave all unbelievable amount of credit for the game plan and and. Getting his guys ready, you got to give the, the the players their their love for the execution. But there's only so many 
you know, plays breaking down, Daniel Jones scampers, Saquon Barkley runs, tip drill interceptions, one-yard line stops. Like, so many things can only stack up for so long before it comes back down to earth. But tell you what, it's fun to it's fun to watch while you know while it's going on. And I don't think you have. Like, I mean, I feel like Dave is running away with Coach of the Year at this point. He, he, well, Pete Carroll may have something to say about that mm-hmm. too. Nick Sirianni may have something to say about that too. Certainly. Water the flowers. Listen, Water the flowers, I, I get it, but I, I again, we're talking about the New York media. The mm-hmm. Giants being good and a mad scientist, behind, you know, okay. behind the team. I, I have I have a, a little thought on that. I, I really think it's interesting because does Brian Dayball play a part in maybe bringing Daniel Jones back? Um, but before that, J.C. Jackson, he went down with an injury in that Seahawks Chargers mm-hmm. game. Uh, Ian Rappaport just reporting ruptured patellar tendon for J.C. Jackson, dislocated kneecap. He's out. For oh, no, that's. I mean that's eighteen months. That's brutal. When you get a ruptured uh, uh, tendon, I mean that's yeah, man, that is all right. But Oof. with Brian Dable, is he a game changer in the Daniel Jones puzzle? Here's Rust with Sports Center. This is Danny and Dusty on the Odyssey app and Portland's sports leader, 1080, The Fan. All right, I got a question for you. Is Brian Dayball maybe the quarterback whisperer that the New York Giants need? Think of where he took Josh Allen from his rookie year to where he is now. And look at the strides that, that Daniel Jones has made in a short time. Now, he is nowhere near the, the overall quarterback that that you see in Josh Allen. But can Brian Dayball mold Daniel Jones enough to be a serviceable quarterback in the NFL? That is a tall task, my, my friend. Well, six and one right now. He's doing a pretty dang good job at it. Yeah, I think you had a. Um, if you're talking about the artist and the 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 tools that they work with, I think we're talking about a you know a, a fairly significant upgrade. Like Daniel Jones is crayons, you know. He I, is. He's a big body. He's what six five two thirty. He is. He's actually very accurate. And he is athletic. I mean, he ran for 100 yards yesterday. They do not have weapons in New York. Like, we think of of the the Giants and, like, you go, oh, yeah, you know, the days of OBJ and Victor Cruz and, like, yeah, they they had weapons, sure. Who's the best receiver that they have right now that is playing for them currently? I couldn't name him. Yeah. They have Darius Slayton, uh, Wandale Robinson, you got Marcus Johnson. Uh, their tight end is Chris Myrick. Um, David Sills, the West Virginia kid. Uh, I think the only reason why I know him is uh, Lane Kiffin offered him a scholarship like when he was 10 to go to USC as a quarterback, and then he turned into a, a wide receiver at West Virginia. Kadarius Toney, Sterling Shepard's on the IR. Kenny Galladay 
we can't play him, and he's out anyways. They don't have weapons to throw to. He's got Saquon Barkley and himself, and they're finding ways to win and go six and six and one so far. If you if you surround him with talent, very similar to what they did in Buffalo, where they said, "All right, well, we got the quarterback now. Can we put some weapons around him?" And they built that thing up to give him a little stable, give him a possession receiver, go out and trade for Stephon Diggs, and you go and you get Dawson Knox at tight end. And they said, "All right, we got you some weapons now. Do something with them." And that's when you saw him take off. Daniel Jones, you're right. He is a crayon. <laughs> where Box of crayons. Where you're dealing with, you know, oil oil painting and Josh Allen, who's using all sorts of different brushes. You've got Daniel Jones, who's not just a crayon, but he's holding it like a toddler, you know, where where it's popping out where the pinky is, and he's just kind of like in a fist drawn around the field, but he's doing it to six and one. It's incredible. And and maybe Brian Dayball, if they can if they have a salary cap disaster in New York, if they can figure this thing out, maybe Daniel Jones is the maybe it's not Lamar Jackson, maybe it's Daniel Jones the guy who heads into this year without a contract that cashes in. God, that's that'd be insane. <laughs> that would be insane if a team showed more faith in Daniel Jones than Lamar Jackson going forward. Well, he's not going to get anywhere near the guaranteed money, right? It, but the the guy, just the fact that he may stick around and bet on himself and go and win that thing, you know? They didn't pick up the fifth-year option on him. Um, and they even said it. They said, we've screwed up Daniel Jones so much because of all the coaching changes and just dysfunction with the Giants that they didn't feel proper to give him the fifth-year option because they have no idea what they got. Well, right now they're 6-1, and one and he's not playing terribly, you just got to figure out a way to get him the uh, get him some targets so he can get rid of the ball. Ugh. I'm not willing to go that far. I'm not. I'm just, okay. <laughs> you know, I don't blame I, I, you. I, listen, I pick. I'm picking up what you're putting down, but I'm looking at it and going, nah. And, I, and again, well, the law of averages are going to catch up with them. Yeah, and that's the thing is, like, Josh Allen, you could see kind of okay the 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 building upon things year after year after year. Daniel Jones has been building upon the same bad foundation. I, and, and that's just, I, and I know he hasn't had weapons and I know that his offensive line has been very bad, but the bills didn't have a ton of weapons early on. The bills didn't have this great offensive line. They didn't like, mm-hmm. even when they added little by little, you could see bigger leaps from Josh Allen and not everybody's mm-hmm. going to have the same linear levels of growth or even any levels of growth. But I, I lean more towards they've all right here, being more of a quarterback whisperer and getting the most out of his guys, as opposed to Daniel Jones being better than what we thought. Well, in Dan, like here's the thing with Daniel Jones is that he doesn't have to overcome the biggest hurdle that Josh Allen did, which is Josh Allen did something that quarterbacks aren't supposed to be able to do. And I use the air quotes around that because you're not all of a sudden supposed to become more accurate as a passer. It's like one of those things that Mike Leach always said, like you either have it or you don't. He became way more accurate. And Daniel Jones is accurate. He just makes poor decisions and doesn't have a lot of great wide receivers. We'll see. I mean, when the rubber meets the road, they, does their schedule really get that much tougher? They got the, they go on the road to Seattle this week, which is all of a sudden a lot more tough than what we thought it was going to be. But then they have Houston and Detroit before they gear up for Dallas. <laughs> the Giants, the Giants mm. may be sneaky good. 
Maybe. I mean, if you're a team in the I NFC, hate, I, though, I hate to say that. It, it's, it's, I hate the New it, York Giants. I do too. Uh, I will say this: if you're an NFC team and you're looking at the Giants as you're possible again, we're we're way too early for this. But if they they continue this, and if you're looking at the Giants, and let's say they end up in a, in a, in a top half seed, you've mm-hmm. got to be salivating over the thought of playing Daniel Jones in the playoffs. <laughs> oh God, yeah. I don't mean like. Sign me up for all. Like if you're if you're, if you're one of those teams, if you're if you're the Bucks or if you're the Packers, yeah. and you kind of get your s together, and you end up in the bottom half of the bracket, and you see the Giants in your first round yeah. matchup, you're like, ha ha ha! Guess this season wasn't the NFC. so. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I guess this season wasn't so bad after all. Five zero three two five zero ten eighty. Got another big one coming up tonight. Monday Night Football in Moda. The World Series is set. Danny Dusty on the fan. Busy Monday, man. Anytime you have a weekend as uh, jam-packed as this one was with the Ducks in their 45-30 win over UCLA in a top-10 matchup at Autzen, you had Oregon State handling their business against Colorado, and then all the wildness of the NFL weekend and the NBA season getting underway. Listen, man, great weekend for Northwest sports teams. It really was. Banner weekend. I mean, Ducks handle business. Oregon State handles business. Blazers handle business. I mean, mm. you you got to love to see that. Seahawks. Seahawks handle business. I mean, across the, the Kraken do. I mean, they're playing relatively well. Was that a question? Uh I I I saw op- uh, opening week they were they were oh, like they're third in the Pacific standings, hey, huh? Not, not too shabby. Not too shabby. They lost over the weekend though. No, they did. Okay. But they're they're yeah. they're not the dog Damn water that they Hawks. were. They they are improved. Yeah. Again. That's hot hockey talk. That's all the hockey talk you'll get from me. Actually, I am a I'm a I'm a I'm a crackhead. I'm a crackhead. A Kraken fan. Okay. That's what we call ourselves, right? Yeah, it's the crackhead. It's the crackheads at the crack house. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, and the Thorns won too. Yeah, they, the they, Thorns are in the championship. Yeah, they, they're on their way to DC for the NWSL championship game. Like Props I said. to all the Thorns fans out there holding up for sale signs. Yep, Y'all were and, hilarious. And Crystal Dunn uh, showing out, popping through a game winner. By the way, she just had a kid like four months ago. That is incredible. She's a, she's I saw those videos. It was like 156 <laughs> days later. <laughs> what? What a freak! Absolute yeah. freak. Yeah. Uh, incredible. Yeah, absolutely. That is mind bending. That that. That she had a baby 156 days ago, and then is hitting the game winner to send her team to the championship. Mind boggling, awesome. isn't it? Yeah. Yes, it's exactly. way more impressive than Jeremy Pena being a rookie and hitting a three run jack last night. I in knew the you LCS. couldn't. I knew you couldn't get by without saying anything. <clears throat> yeah, suck at Yankees. Um, that's that's all the World Series talk you're going to get from me. All right, fine. But uh, I mean, come on. Did you watch the post-game show with uh, Pedro Martinez last night? Oh, I did, and it was glorious. This is incredible. I know a lot of people didn't watch it, but Pedro Martinez, former Red Sox star and one of the all-timers, when you when you talk about a guy who's going to go on the post-game score or the post-game show in New York City of all places and say this. 
Ooh. I'm sorry. I'm not. Isaac's in here talking to me. What do we want? Well, we Pedro. got nothing. Pedro. Pedro. In time, I have one question. Yes. For all of New York. Yes. New yeah. York. <laughs> Who's your daddy now? <laughs> I just want to know. I want an answer, and I want it quick. New York. Who's your daddy? Should I say the Astros? <laughs> it's not Big Papi anymore. It's not me. Who's your daddy? I want to ask New York. It's not Big Papi. It's not me. Is it the Astros? <laughs> Pedro, look, right. the MLB does the pre and post game show better than anybody in sports. And I and I love the NBA show with Ernie. Chuck, Charles, Ooh, I think Jack. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, no. Or, or, you can't beat Ernie. Listen, I love those guys, but when they let Big Poppy and Pedro and yeah. Millar loose on set, it is tremendous content. Yeah, they got characters. Baseball has characters. They need to allow them. them to kind of <laughs> show themselves, though. Yeah. They, never, they never let the characters be be themselves no and it's i mean we're always going to talk about that with baseball uh before we get out of here we do have a little bit of breaking news as justice winslow is now questionable for the portland trailblazers so they get ready to take on the denver nuggets tonight so gary payton the second olivier sar and trenton watford are out and now the, the blazers will be, maybe be without justice winslow in a tough matchup against the nuggets what are we another week out from um, Gary Payton being reevaluated too. He'll be reevaluated. I've weeks. talked to a few people around the team. I don't believe he's resumed five on five yet. I would expect him to be fully ramped up and ready to go leading into Thanksgiving. Okay. All right. That game is tonight, seven o'clock, um, from Moda Center on route. And then you got uh, Bears Patriots <laughs> Monday Night Football. Tune into the yeah. NBA game. It'll be a lot better. Yeah. Seriously. All right, that'll do it for us on a Monday. Up next, you got prime time with Isaac Gazook from 3 to 7. Have a great Monday. See you Tuesday from noon to 3 right here on The Fan. Bye. Talk to me, dirty corn dogs. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.